0: Hello my beautiful friends! So I wanted to come in with a chronic illness part 3 and also a wellness video. So this is is, going to be, I think, a new segment. I'm going to do different things from different perspectives of chronic illness. um, From things that I do just for my wellness, physically and mentally. And then other things that aren't necessarily chronic illness related, but I think they're really important to do. So first thing is a little bit of an update. Um, My gashoparesis is doing a little bit better. So I'm always grateful for any tiny little progress. And I am on track in a year if I, you know, if, you know, things go well, but, you know, Sometimes Murphy's Law happens, which is what can go wrong will go wrong. Um, yeah, you know, you know, anything can happen, but I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful um, that in a year I will not have my future anymore. Um, I've just had this overwhelming feeling like I'm coming to the end of the, my journey with this, and I'll do a whole separate um, podcast on my Feeding Tube journey specifically, Um, but it saved my life. And I felt for a long time like I didn't feel like I was at the end of this part yet. And recently, I think on my last couple appointments, I just got this feeling, this sort of like a message in my heart, like this is the end of the journey. This is the last, you know, think of it. And it's, I'm not as scared as I was at the thought of not having my feeding tube. And it's a thought you, you don't ever think in your life, you'll think, but to sort of thought of what am I going to do when I don't have this feeding tube anymore to sort of back me up on, you know, on those bad days. when I'm completely 100% reliant on myself. And I realized I didn't trust myself as much as I thought I did in terms of that, and that and it wasn't just physically that I wasn't ready to get the tube out, but it was mentally I wasn't ready. I, you know, I needed to work on myself, and I encourage you that if you're going through a feeding tube, if you're going through anything with your nutrition, just, you know, keep a journal and just ask yourself, you know especially the being too big, are you feeling like in your heart that you're both, like you're mentally ready as well as physically ready for that transition? And I really think it will also help if you have the opportunity to get counseling because there's a lot of mental um, things that, that really go into it. And it's so much, it's just as much a mental thing of eating too bad as it is a physical thing. Um, And so it is with chronic illnesses, just other chronic illnesses that I've dealt with, that there's such a strong mental component to it. Um, You know, how I've coped with things, how I've um, handled things, um, how I've taken care of myself, or sometimes not taking care of myself i how i think i handled things in the past and felt like i was constantly searching for answers and you know i'll go through that journey a little bit um and also we'll call that also a future episode but um i was i definitely was all over the place and i've gotten more to a place where i'm more aware of my thoughts i'm more aware of how i perceive things how i perceive my illness and how i go into making sure that i'm taking the best care of myself possible and doing like the best i can to keep the illnesses whatever they be in a stable position or improving and There are times, there are times when your mind is just like, not today, just not today. Um, But it's okay. And everybody thinks, well, you're supposed to be like, okay and happy and like super positive all the time, you know, and like this go-getter attitude. And it's okay if you don't feel like that every day because, I mean, it's, hard what we go through it's hard not just do, you know dealing with it but it's hard from how your family members and your friends and just people in your circle you know are dealing with it as well and sometimes it's hard for them to under understand In fact unless you've gone through it you don't understand but it's just it's i think it's just as hard for them as it is for us and it gets really frustrating and heartbreaking because all you want is somebody to just be like, you know, I don't understand what you're going through, but I know that you're going through something and I'm gonna be there for you the best that I can. And, you know, my mom, I respect that she has opinions because I have definitely had conversations and realized with my parents and everything, how frustrating it is, even my sister. And sometimes the kids just need to vent. And I hadn't really thought about it from the other perspective because um, I've only really been in the perspective of being the one with chronic illness. And um, I really started putting thought into that with what my sister's gone through with her things and what my mom has gone through with herself in the past. and to this day and uh, my dad and realize, you know, they go through things that I don't understand. I you know, I don't understand how it feels to go what they go through. I don't know what their body feels, but I know that they go on through it and I know that they're doing the best that they can to take care of it. And do you, you know, I get feelings and feel some type of way sometimes? Yes, I do. But I'm trying to acknowledge whatever I'm feeling and, trying to work through that. I had to make a, a, a notation, just be like, you know, today I'm just, I'm feeling some type of way. I'm feeling frustrated and I'm just, I'm not getting it. Like, and, um, or maybe I'm wrong. And so my might go talk to my mom or just go talk to them because, you know, yeah, I just like a barrier or a wall. And, you know, the best way to understand something or, you know, understand is to talk to somebody if they're comfortable with it. You know, for those of you who have a loved one or a friend who's going through chronic illness and you don't understand it, or you're kind of maybe raising a certain mindset that if you can't see something wrong with the person, then it must be all in their head. I can assure you that that's not, that's not it at all. Um, You can look up, there's a lot of YouTubers and other things that, uh, groups that you can go on, um, but it's very real. You know, and no one with chronic illness, you know, if somebody's like, why would somebody make up things like being nauseous all the time or not being able to keep food down or constantly being in the hospital? Why would somebody put themselves through, you know, having to get tubes and ports and other things placed? Like nobody wants to go through that, you know? about it. If there's any other way, believe me, if there was any other way. So if you're not sure, that's what I'm saying, offer. So you know, like if you're a parent or sibling, and you're just really not sure, or you're frustrated, or, you know, there's just not that connection, you know, go sit with them in their doctor's appointments maybe go to therapy together, have a conversation and get the dialogue going. And vent. um, you know, have to be open. It, it, it's going to be tough if you're constantly holding back, you know, if you're feeling some type of way about something. Sometimes i have to say, well, you know, I'm feeling some type of way about this, it, you know, this, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I've never really heard of it and you know, I mean, all the things you're describing kind of sample, allow that person to talk to you and just have that length conversation. And important to do some research and find, like, you know, and, you know, now I don't know that everybody might come around and make things better, but, you know, it's a start. And it takes both sides to, you know, make improvements. Yeah, and I know with my parents, with their ages, you know, they grew up at a time where chronic illness and these things that we're diagnosed with now, like, the, it's thought that they didn't exist, but they were, there was no, there was like nothing in the literature. There was, there was no names for it. No one had come up with a, like, a name, you know. Name, but, you know. Um, so I don't imagine how many people back then were going through the same things that we were, but it wasn't known. It wasn't known that it was a thing called gastroparesis. It wasn't known that it was a thing called mitochondrial issues. It wasn't known as a thing of genetics, you know, and I mean, now we know now there's all these tools and research going on. and more and more things that didn't have a name or have a name now and an answer. And um, it's, I'm thinking, well, back then, if you physically couldn't prove it, I mean, you, it must have been in your head or something. I mean, I'm thinking in sort of, in the psychology world back then the large book of diagnoses must have been huge back then and i you know and it must got smaller then because I realized so much things that they might have thought were psychological were actually really physical. And um I think you know my parents just being raised in that type of way. My mom my you know my dad grew up between <laughs> I was born in nineteen forty eight my mom was born in nineteen fifty five and um think about that. That's like the 60s to 70s of growing up. And then, you know, I have my grandparents. Now, I lost my nanny, which would be my mom's mom, before I got all these diagnoses. But she was this woman of faith. And she raised a son with cerebral palsy. So this woman, she knows. She has the patience. And... I have one living grandma left and she's has alzheimer's disease and i'm um and that's one thing for me that can get frustrating is I'm seeing this disease that literally just slowly and surely just kills a person this just it's slowly revert all the way back to babies. And it's a really hard thing to see a and just deteriorate in front of you. Um, I know that there is, you know, you know, when they're beyond where medicine can do anything. And I was like, okay, maybe sometimes my mom looks at me like that, where it may seem like I'm beyond what medicine can do, but medicine can't do a lot of things, but I also have to do a lot of things. And Kind of just realizing that, like, going back and being like okay you know what i realize i'm having this moments especially when it comes to things or diseases illnesses that i've absolutely never heard of i've ever heard of it's just frustrating what it can do to a person you know you feeling like totally helpless to do anything like i don't literally in it. i literally and it can get really emotional yeah like, well I can do that, you know, I can I can get emotional, I can do that. But it you know, I don't know how who it serves really. Um, um so if you're feeling some type of way, I if you're the one with a chronic illness, if if you're the one who is a family member a loved one of chronic illness, like I said, keep open the dialogue. You know, I'm not saying you're gonna understand where either of you is coming from, but listen, try to be supportive, try to make an effort to understand. Um, Know that this, this isn't a choice, you know, to be chronic illness. This is things that are, we were diagnosed with and we go through. Um, And then, you know, I think it's, it can definitely feel like a curse and a burden and absolutely just draining this chronic illness. But, you know, I was thinking about it the other day and in this sort of tiny way, a blessing because it allows me this way of seeing life and going through life and appreciating my body that... I didn't have before. Like, well, how could you feel sure that your body it doesn't want to like cooperate? It just one thing breaks after the other. I've, you know, had a gallbladder moved. And it's because of all the things in my body that do work. And, you know, like you know, do work. And and they said i felt this awareness of myself to know for sure that, you know, so if it was before, I kind of doubted, I'm like, am I feeling this? You know, this is this a symptom? Is this something else? And I've gone through a lot of it for such a long time now that I've gotten to be aware of where I really paid attention to my body and the signals it gives me and the symptoms. And I know when my symptoms are a chronic illness symptom, if it's something new that I've never experienced before, I've really just sort of take note of it, and um, I think on it, I research a lot. I think that's something that's really helped me um, understand my chronic illnesses is researching them, Um, trying to understand them. I'm always looking at what are the new literature researches come out, and um, trying to understand other people who've been diagnosed, like their perspective of how it's affecting them, because chronic illnesses affect everybody the same way and, you know, it's helped me that in their own way, as much as we've all, you know, had through chronic illness, even those who don't have chronic illness, whenever, if you do have a diagnosis of something or anything, you are in some way very aware of what's going on in your body. Um, you know yourself better than anybody else, and that's that's a that's your biggest tool when it comes to taking care of yourself is because you're gonna know when something's not right, when something doesn't feel right and for that you're not crazy because you know your body, nobody else is in your body but you Unless is, is that uh, is we can almost I notice mean, this sort of pick up on when something's starting to happen before it ever gets there, you know um for me personally, I've noticed along with all you know being more appreciative of my body and of the things in my body that do work really well, that I do have also a fear of something else breaking and something else in treatment or another specialist or another pill or some another surgery you know like uh a fear of triggering myself and like with my gastroparesis you know fear of Trying something that I haven't had before and not knowing how it's going to affect me, knowing that the, the only way to figure it out is the hard way. Um, and I, I was kind of like, and this it in a way gave me this opportunity to do something that I've been wanting to do for a while, and that was to figure out exactly what food triggers my migraines and sort of getting the gastroenterologist to this inadvertent elimination diet. And I was just adding back things in. I actually found more migraine triggers through this and have really been able to significantly lower the amount of migraines they get. And it also had me going, well, I have all of these allergies to the environmental things. And I was like, I wonder about food allergies. And So I had some done many, many years ago through an ENT, and that's interesting. But I kind of wanted to do something just on my own, and so um, I tried two different companies. And one is a company, everybody, I think you've probably seen their advertisements on on Google a lot or online. Uh, It's called Everly Well. I think I did their basic feed allergy testing, and then I did this other one and learned that I one doubt if you're like, interested, I can pull up those results into what foods. But what it intrigued me to do is because I just I like to learn was I went into the specific ones that I reacted to. Um, so Everly Well was a blood test one. Like you prick your finger and you, you send it in and everything. And I forgot I found a discount code and I used it and um everything but when i got the results and when I, I took all the things where i had the highest level of like reaction or level of sort of allergy and i went and researched what the, those specific things um and kind of went back okay so what part of like family does this specific thing belong to um and that I would go look into that family and I'd be like, all those things are in this family. And, and I'd look up, being you know, a prevalence of allergies to this. And I, I ended up sort of going backwards. Um, and, and realizing a lot of foods, I started going, wow. Okay. Like connection, just crazy connections, but, uh, allowed me to sort of realize, um, Sort of this network of things. Um, now, things that I put possibly be allergic to, but I still really like. So, and then doing the gastroparesis, I'm adding new things in all the time. I've been feeling more adventurous, and um, feeling like I'm just ready to go for it. Um, and also has given an opportunity for my culinary side to uh, reinvent some of my favorite dishes that I maybe can't eat anymore because of being lactose intolerant. Um, like one of my favorite foods ever in the world is pizza. And so being able to come up with alternatives, which will still allow me to have pizza and not get sick. And um, always, and for me, just always allows me to be creative in that sense. So I've been like, okay, so I can't eat it, like, to this point, the traditional, but what can I do with, like, fun that's going to reinvent this? And so I've been able to add a lot of back of my favorite foods, and I've just, you know, found alternative recipes, and they're super, super good. So if you're feeling like maybe you're missing out, um, reinvent it. No crayon, because I guarantee you somebody has reinvented your favorite food. Um, and you can find it in a way that you can enjoy it and bake it. And that, that's also going to help if it's a food thing. In terms of resist president eating is... Uh, like my next was getting back in the kitchen and cooking. Because I've always loved cooking for my family. Another thing that I did was I started a garden again. And I am, it has given me a whole new more appreciation and really helped my... my relationship with food and it's it's always going to be an ongoing thing my relationship with food and um how i see it and how i not really how i eat it but uh what i eat and everything so it's really helped in that sense um and you don't necessarily have to have a huge raised bed like I do. You can you can just get one little plant, start there. And um, it's just really cool. It's a really cool feeling when something you made and took care of produces a vegetable or a fruit. And um, it's like this connection and a way to maybe connect to something. Maybe you can't eat it, but you could still grow it. <laughs> um, And you can give it to your family members, your friends, donate to your soup kitchen, to your neighbors. Um, So it gives you another way to connect with maybe that food um, and another way to enjoy it. You know, it's kind of like analysis always gives me, well, maybe you can't do it this way, but there's another way. Um, So, you know, it's just the way you look at it perspective you know, seem well because of this certain thing it's over you know with like for because that's not the case so with something like pots you know i get lightheaded my blood pressure drops really low i'm on a high salt diet from my cardiologist and i can't have caffeine really because of my heart issues so i'm like but i really like chocolate it's not my favorite Honestly, actually, you're like, oh, she just said she wasn't her favorite. Like, is she crazy? Crazy. I like chocolate, but vanilla is like my favorite. Um, But the other day, I was doing a lot of baking for my mom, and all these little chocolate chips were falling, and I was just sampling them. And I'll I find myself, I'll do that. that. That's a little way of getting chocolate without overdoing it. I'm um, like, there's more than one way to do this. So, Um where it's it's like, okay, I know I'm really sensitive to the heat. Um like and I live in Florida, but I just get overheated really, really quickly, like and uh so I know when I'm out working in my garden, I know if I'm out with my dog, um I'll notice right away that I'm starting to head in that direction and I've I've definitely overdone it. Several times, but I've figured out ways to still be able to be outside and work with my body, listen to my body's cues in a way that, that just, just a little inkling, I can will go inside, get some water, get some air, and I've really been able to prevent full-on like pots sometimes flirting up. Another things is I'm a rester a lot. Um I can almost tell if I just get really tired all of a sudden. Nine times out of ten my blood pressures just drop really low only all, all of a sudden. And uh usually you nine know, times out of ten if I just go eat something uh with some salt in it, um or chug some water, maybe like a Gatorade, I'll um i am feel much better. And I have a blood pressure cuff. And I'll not be able to do is all the supplies that I have. Um blood pressure cuff. And I'll be like, I'll check it. And I'll be Yep, I knew it. I knew it. Um and uh, so I've I've kind of figured it out. So I realized how often I've kind of got it figured out to how often I eat. Um so that I don't get that the blood pressure dips as much, um, which allows me to have a little bit more energy throughout the day, more reserves, um, and it just takes practice. Really, it just takes listening to your body and tweaking things. Eventually, um, you'll get it tweaked right to something where you yeah, know it works out for you, and was being like you know I was accepting that not every day is going to be super fantastic energy day or whatever now I'm definitely gonna have days where I'm just struggling to keep the blood pressure up I'm struggling to just not be super symptomatic all day long and um even on those days I'm like I don't want this at all to hold me back so sometimes even when I'm having a day like that and my like oh we're going out to dinner you know I'll still go out to dinner you know because I want to enjoy my family and it's like you know if you're off I might be a lot exhausted when I get home but I didn't get a miss on an opportunity with my family and I really had a conversation with my mom Um, it's kind of the one person where I know if I tell her I have to sit down she knows I mean I have to sit down like right now I'm learned. I have a few things that I do personally for just a self-care thing that allow me to sort of just get out and just uh, makes me feel so good. And one of those things is getting my hair done. Um, maybe just walk around Ulta and like with the testers. It's it's kind of like I go there and I have the most wonderful hairstyles if you're ever in town and you're at the Orange City location in Ulta, hit up Artie, he is the best of the best of the best. And um, I just go and, oh, I just feel like a new woman. But I don't necessarily have to be at the salon to get that feeling. Other ways I get that feeling is if I'm writing, I'm playing with my dog, he just, he can change my mood so quickly. Um, and that's another thing, that's another thing. He, you know, I know dogs can sniff these things and they can detect all these certain things on people. But my dog, and I'm bragging, he's also the uh, official mascot along with Chester. Um, both of them, too, actually seem to pick up on my low, low blood pressure or that male heart rate. And my dog can and will uh, basically back me into the couch, um, basically push me to the couch and lay on top of me. And sometimes he'll put his paw on, um, on my heart and he'll just look at me and like, I'm telling you, uh, a lot of the things that he'll do, if he don't wants me to sit down, so he'll start circling my legs a lot. Um, or like trying to push me towards a chair. Like he knows you get me, he'll get me sit, seated down before, uh, anything. And, um, He's caught it a lot. My cat will do the same thing. If I'm about to get up and then my cat will just trust her, I'll come up out of nowhere and lay on top of me. And he will stay there for a while. And it's like when he knows everything's good, he'll, he'll get up and leave. Um, so they've been a blessing. If you have animals in your life, if you don't adopt the animal, it just, oh. I'm telling you it makes your life a thousand percent better. they just help you so much emotionally and someone that even when you're having a really rough day like they don't have to say anything they just get it and just having that little just to cuddle cuddle with and love on it just ugh, it's the best and with, and that's part of both a mental and physical thing with me is because he has caught several times um when i've had high heart rates he's caught it when i've had low blood pressures they both caught it um they ask me how they did it how they do it i don't know but they're good and that uh leads me into my thing uh a little topic um is self-care and i was talking about there one of my self-care things i like to do is get my hair done and with my dogs I feel like it's self-care for both of us but um, the thing is um, writing and doing things that I love to do so I things I do to me that is a self-care is a game it just it just kind of boosts my mood Um, I just kind of started playing a little Sims 4 lately you know I try out new different games just you know the free ones like that come on Microsoft just to see what they're about or new apps or whatever my nintendo my mom doesn't understand it but it's kind of like my thing um i watch movies i've become a huge movie person <laughs> or listen to music like that that is another thing i do for self-care if i just need to like refocus and just turn off my brain for a while and just listen to the music and i just i have lots and lots of songs and um, i find a new one i'm like oh i need that so i have like a little music collection going on my garden um uh, doing things that i know and i do for me and i enjoy for me, um, so if it's not painting, it's drawing in a journal. It's just laying in my bed with Chester, or you know, like just taking a moment, just in the quiet, and just turning off, turning off, just turning off the you know the noise for a minute. You know, other things I like to do is give myself just a nice facial. You know. But, you know, I have nights where I take a little bit of extra time and just really get one of my moisturizers and everything like that. Um, well, I did on my food too, one of the other favorite self-care things, so it's just taking a really nice long bubble bath with my favorite essential oils, um, some Epsom salts and some music and relaxed. So relaxed. So know, I mean, use the shower chair, but I still bring music in. I still sing in the shower. Um, so I'm unashamedly dorky, and <laughs> I own it, I think. Um, there's things to do, like, if I'm feeling up to it. Sometimes I might just, like, walk around the store, try something on. Um, kind of go into my groups and, you know, just talk to people, um, a lot of Facebook groups that I'm part of, and I'll just, I like to go on and try to see what I can do to help, um, cheer somebody up or let them know it's going to be okay. Um, because you have moments where you just, you don't know how it's going to get better and, what to do and like how, you know, how, just like how. And I just want to be like, you know, especially when you're in the hospital and you're like, I've been here for the umpteenth time and I may mean, not have had the best experiences. I will give full stories on those. And I um, would and rather be doing anything else right now, but, you know, I needed to be here and... I don't want to be here, but the body's just—it's just not today. It just doesn't want to today. And um, I've—I've def- had—I I've had a lot of those days with my heart, with like my entire body it's just like uh-uh. But yeah, you know, sometimes like that's what you have to do to get better. And. It's, it can be absolutely frustrating, especially when you're not getting treated the way you want to get treated, and you feel miserable, and you just want to be home, cuddled up in your bed, and ride it out, you know, but instead, you know, you're there, and there's doctors and nurses that can help you, and sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit more stressful than helpful, but, you know, you know, but... And I say, mean, you know what? Yeah. I've totally been in there and it stinks on ice sometimes. Because it just seems like you have more doctor's appointments than you have other appointments for other things or for, to do other things. Like if you looked in our eye calendars or your phone calendars, most of the dates there are doctors appointments. Yeah. And I just, I got to find something. I just laugh. I'm like, yep. Yeah. spoony life. But, um, I was just hurt to I try to just start joking with the nurses and trying to just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm here. I have to be here. This, this is what needs to be done. But I don't want to feel in like this because like, I feel terrible in this mood, but I don't want to, be in that emotional mindset all the time so that's just gonna make everything go slower so and so that is okay so i just look for reasons to start making jokes that's just it's also i think a coping mechanism but start making jokes i start studying things wondering like how does this work and what's going on with that and uh, I mean, everybody in the hospital is here because they came in because they need help. And, you know, nobody there, if you're, if you're the one getting treatment, is having a good day. So and I just understand that, you know. And, you know, I can't put myself in the perspective of the shoes of the nurses and the doctors that take care of us. And I try to keep that in the back of my mind. You know, like my mind. And um, I keep busy. I try to stay off that call light as much as I can. Sometimes, you know, I, sometimes other things just happen. But you know what? It really does. It gets better, and you get out of the hospital. And sometimes you're going out with more meds, you know, than you came in with. Sometimes you're coming home recovering from a surgery but we recover and we get stronger and we are so strong and you know this about chronic illness people but they are some of the strongest people you will ever meet because they they endure, endure not only what our chronic illnesses do to our bodies and how they make us feel every single day but or when it comes to the point where we have to go into the hospital and we have to have a procedure or a tube or a port or something put into our bodies and um you know, the awful side effects and things like that you worries boys for a reason because and it's not easy sometimes it just makes you want to tear your hair out and you're like really But because despite everything, we endure. We push through and we we keep going. And we make make the best of that we can. And I've learned, especially, that it's okay not to be okay it is okay to be mad it's okay to be upset it's okay to cry it is okay to feel all the time all the things because the situation just calls for feeling all the things it's okay you don't have to be brave all the time no one has to be brave all the time you don't have to put that on yourself Feel the things that you're feeling. Acknowledge those feelings. You know, because I wasn't always happy-go-lucky in the hospital. I had my moments where I was just in a mood, and I was frustrated, and I just felt like I was never going to get out of there, and I just was like, this is never going to end. I'm like, I'm here so much, they might as well just... I had a kitchen area in here and rent this is an apartment to me, like, um, it, I was just at the point, I was just like, I'm done. And, um, cause I mean, you couldn't relate that. I mean, you can lay in a hospital bed and watch the TV so much before you go start crazy and walk laps around the nurse's station and dragon eye people everywhere. But it's so like going through all that, you, Get to the end of it and you get to go home and you get to have a victory and every day that you're fighting it and you're running better it is a victory yeah and that brings me to i this is advocate for yourself like i said what i was saying before is you know yourself better than anybody else and Sometimes people try to, especially some medical professionals. Try to do other things to sort of play down what you're going through and make it seem like it's no big deal or don't do um, other things that they should be doing. Advocate for yourself. Fight for yourself. You know, There's a time and a place, you know, when you're nice and you're kind and you know you're hearing everybody out but then when you get to the point when you feel it, you know, don't let it get to the point where you feel like you're getting shoved out the door and nobody's listening you know, make a point you dig your heels in you speak to somebody above them I am NOT above being one that if I feel like I have not gotten the treatment that I should have gotten, or if I was with anything who's been botched of uh, writing a letter and speaking to the individuals above, because change doesn't happen if nobody's aware of what's going on. And I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, I don't know. You know, it may take a lot, many, many times that this or something becomes, but I figure, you know, you have to start somewhere. And I'm like, you know, I'm not afraid. That's just me. And that if I showed that I'm not afraid, you know, that others won't be afraid. And I have spoken my mind about it. Now I felt it because like, you need to know, perhaps need to know what's going on at the level, at that level you know, I have all kinds of ideas that can make patient care better, especially care of patients who are, who go through multiple chronic illnesses. You know, one idea is is specialized training. We literally a bunch of spoonies come together with medical staff, with nursing staff. and We tell all of our stories to them and what we've gone through and just you know, specialists that have worked with patients that deal with multiple illnesses and just in this big room and explain that in certain people, especially when you have multiple illnesses going on and you've been the type of person that's been has, has had to be hospitalized multiple times that, you know, very well how your body reacts to things, you know, you know, instances is that more specialized training when it comes to patients with multiple illnesses or illnesses that are really near, that extra scrutiny and that extra, you know, time. Because I have had this moment where I felt like I was dismissed and put off as like no big deal. And I feel like, well, wait, look at this patient we're getting. She has multiple illnesses on a lot of medications. You know, maybe this bears, given the situation, here, further investigation, right? Point where I go in and I know how I'm going to get treated. I know how I would like to get treated when I get my tubes changed. I know how the system works for interventional radiology for the hospital that I have to go to. Does that system need to change? Yes, it does. Is it gonna change in the foreseeable future? I doubt it, but I'm hopeful. Hopeful that maybe it takes me over and over and over and over and over again. until so somebody goes, uh, folks, this problem is a lot bigger than we thought, you know. And some people say, well, we, we, maybe we wait for others to come forward, but I think they're afraid. Afraid that if they come forward at situations or things that have happened that they won't get treated, they'll get treated differently or not right because they made that opportunity. And my thing is, no one should hold that power over you. You shouldn't feel like somebody has that power over you because they don't. That's like—I mean—that's just how I feel about that. So, um, yeah, I'd like to know what your guys' feelings are. Are you the type of person that would go as high up as possibly go and take it as far as you possibly had to go for a situation or an issue, or are you the type of person that just has to walk away and let it be in the past? The more I've had to be dealing with the hospital system and things like that, the more I've ha- been having to make a stand because I'm aware of my treatment from the moment I walk in the doors to the second I'm discharged, that entire process of um, stay while I'm there. I'm, I know, how was my treatment? Was I treated appropriately? Um, and so for me, it's like looking into the hospital's protocols for eating tube patients because I was trying to figure out why I'm being told one thing and other things are happening and why I seem to be not matter. Like it, it doesn't matter what the situation is with the eating tube. You're never going to be important enough to get done that same day ever. Um and just this feeling of feeling like I'm not important. I'm not like worth your time, especially if you're telling me, Well, we're just gonna send you home and they don't seem to understand the that and some people on YouTube tubes it are absolutely hundred percent dependent. On their nutrition and cannot go a day without it, and that's where I think a training comes in with them is to understand that it is just as serious as anything else, especially on somebody who is extremely dependent on their port, on their feeding tube, whatever the case may be, and that cannot go 24, 48 hours without nutrition. That literally, it can't wait. You know it has to be up there on the priority list. And I hope one day maybe people will join me and we can make a difference. We can try to affect change in that. Nathan, go back and realize that making somebody feel less than, and yes, you know, I haven't pointed out that in certain situations, there are things that are priority. And if you're not going to die within the next hour, then you can obviously wait. But sometimes just because you might not be dying within the next hour doesn't mean that the consequences of not having your nutrition aren't going to be dire on your body. They aren't going to put your, you and your body in a position that you, it should never have to be. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out a way to have an easier process of getting my tubes changed out to new ones. And I'm still figuring out a way to have a better experience when I'm going through this. I'm still trying to figure out how to have better communication with the staff that are going to be with me that day doing my tube exchange. But like I feel like in that part, there's a real communication breakdown. And I don't know if this goes for um, all the interventional radiology departments and all the hospitals everywhere. If patients seem to have this huge communication error, but I feel like it is extremely important that if this person is the one who will be these nurses and doctors and techs are gonna be the ones responsible for your procedure and your going through this procedure and come you know going through it with the least you know minimal to no issues at all that opening communicating with them how you feel your prior experiences it's important it's just important for them to listen you know and not just go with what's on paper but what the patient's physically verbally telling you. And I make sure I always have this conversation before they go ahead and start the medication. Um, Yeah, other things that I wondered, because I realized, we're not as aware well of the protocols, I think that would be helpful. You know, if we're aware of the protocols and things required Cause then maybe it might ease frustrations, but if you're not telling us how these things work, how the process really works, then we feel like we're left out in the dark, at least in my experience. And it makes for a frustrating process. So if anybody is feeling that way, you know, let me know. You know, let's get the discussion going on it. Someone in this chronic um, illness part three with torrents of encouragement, and that is Whatever it is that you're going through in life, you are going to do amazing things. Trust and believe that. Trust and believe in yourself. You are so worth everything that life has to offer and to give. You are worthy of love, of being loved, of finding love. You are worth it. You are special, unique, beautiful individual. You are exactly who you are meant to be and nobody else. Be yourself. Find your voice. And use that voice. There's always a way to handle things without having to resort to violence and things that. Really just aren't the solution to the problem if anything makes the problems worse. Use your voice. There's a huge community of us out there that if we get together, there is no stopping us. Even as individuals, there is no stopping what we can do and the things that we can achieve. Because there is a will, there's a way and you can figure out how to do anything. You just, you have to put your mind and your heart and your body, your soul to it. So everyone is, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be brave all the time. And don't put that on yourself, you know? It's okay to feel other things, you know? It's okay to feel sad and mad and angry and frustrated and other things. Those are very real feelings that you're, those are very real things that you're feeling. You are important in this world. You mean something to somebody. Your life is worth fighting for life is worth living your life is absolutely precious and every life on this in this world is an absolutely precious gift that should never be taken for granted so, tomorrow, the next day, whenever you're hearing this, whatever it is you're going through, just remember, it won't last forever. And you are going to come through it, and you are going to be amazing and strong, and you will come through it, and you will be, you know, there, you'll be you, you'll will. You will gone through. You will have defeated whatever it is that you're going through. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're just not sure, talk to somebody, reach out. shoot, Send me a message. Now, get that dialogue going. Say right now that you are very valid. You, you are not crazy. You are beautiful people, beautiful with beautiful souls, and I want to meet as many of you as I can. Because all of us and all of you listening to this, you have so much to give. And contribute to this world. And I know that I don't want to miss a minute of it. I can't wait to see all the amazing things that you're going to do. I can't wait to see all the doors you're going to kick down. And all the changes you're going to make happen. Yeah. And all of the people...